This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins with us down in the Fox Valley and all those who watch us online all over the world. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to have you with us this morning. Before we continue with the service, just remind you how we do our offerings here. Uh, there's envelopes and stuff on the uh, backs of the seats in front of you. You can use those to put whatever cash or check you'd like and then put it in the buckets on the way out the doors uh, the ushers will be holding. Uh, or many people have signed up uh, online for recurrent giving. Just They've already predetermined we're going to give X amount of dollars every week to the church or every month or whatever, and then it just happens automatically. Uh, very helpful to us in terms of budgeting. Or people can use their apps on their phone and give at any time that way. Uh, we just finished with Man Camp. Um, how many men were there? There's a bunch still up there and a bunch still sleeping. <laughs> anyway, we had like 100, what was that, 140, 150 guys up there. Uh, I think the biggest number yet. And I think it's only going to continue to grow. It's really an amazing time. Say, did you speak? Did you, now, did anybody special speak or preach? No. What it is is just guys get up and tell their stories. It's really an amazing experience. We're just regular guys in the congregation, and they, they figure it out ahead of time who's going to talk. And they just get up and say how, how they got here and how God changed their lives. And uh, some of the testimonies this year were hilarious. <laughs> one guy, real gruff, he's sharing his testimony, just this real gruff guy, and hard alcoholic and all this stuff, and his wife finally gets him to come to church, and he comes and sits in here, and his mind is like, oh my gosh, what's going on? It's really interesting how hear people's responses, but then how he eventually finds Christ in his life and totally turned around is a dramatic story. It's really encouraging, a lot of fun. You guys should check it out uh, for next year if you did not come. Uh, I was supposed to be at the Fox Valley visiting the campus this morning. Uh, sorry, I messed up with my calendar and not able to do it. We'll eventually get there. Uh, so anyway, we should appreciate you guys. Today is the fifth 
Sunday of Epiphany. What is an Epiphany? An Epiphany is a moment of sudden revelation or insight. So what Epiphany are we hoping for today? To understand God's call on your life. This becomes very confusing to a lot of people. What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What's the call of my life? They get all stressed about it. They hear a lot of preachers talking about it, radio, television, internet, and a lot of what's shared is just quite frankly misleading or flat out false. And let's take a look at it. I want to start with Isaiah, the sixth chapter, starting at verse one. Now, Isaiah has this vision. He sees this vision, uh, or he's like he's translated into heaven or what, what, not sure exactly what's happening. But it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. Gigantic bugs, sounds like. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. So it's really loud when these guys shout to each other. And then he freaks. He's saying, I shouldn't be seeing this. I shouldn't even be here. I'm just a normal man. And if there's one thing they were taught is that no one can see God and live. And uh, so he cries out. He says, woe to me. I'm ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He figures, I'm toast. I'm going to die Again, we're sinful, we can't do this, and here he is. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. Which I presume they were hot, hence the tongs. He says, then he put it on his mouth. (laughs) I would think, ouch. (laughs) But anyway, the guy says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away. Your sin atoned for. What does that mean? I have no idea. All we know is that because of this, now it's okay for him to be there. But this is the crux of our focus today. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah replies, Here am I, send me. Now this is often referred to as the call of a Isaiah, or the uh, Isaiah's commission, uh, and how God calls him, he he does all that he does. Uh, The problem is it's actually very accurate. Uh, If you notice, Isaiah is not called. God does not call Isaiah. Isaiah answered the call that was put forth, and that is dramatically different. And I hope I can make this clear to you this morning So you can start to understand how to apply this into your own life. You know, we read of dramatic personal calls in the Bible. uh, And it's hard not to think, well, that should happen to me. But the reason you're reading it is because it doesn't happen to very many people. That is the exception. It is not the rule. We read of the conversion of Saul, right? 
He's persecuting Christians. He's on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. And all of a sudden, boom, he's knocked to the ground and he hears his voice saying, why are you persecuting me? He goes, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus whom you're, I'm persecuting. So he has a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That is the exception, not the rule. Most people are not knocked on their butts and wind up in church. Be kind of cool if it did. Be a lot more people in church. <laughs> but that's not how this works. That's the exception. We read of how God appears to somebody and tells them what to do, or an angel shows up and instructs them about this, that, and the other. And oftentimes we hear preachers preach on these verses and tell people we need to hear the call of God in our lives and we need to look for the call, seek God, so he tells you what to do. And what happens is we have millions of Christians who live totally stressed out lives waiting for God to tell them what to do. Uh, this has become actually a major problem in the church today. Over the last 40 years, this has been so emphasized in so many places to the point where people don't even instruct one another. People will have issues. They, I'm really struggling with stuff. What do you think? And the common answer is among Christians is, well, just do what the Lord tells you to do. And of course, they're dee -dee 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 -dee, waiting to hear something and they don't hear anything. That lets the person off the hook who's being, and don't do that. Somebody comes to you with struggles and questions about the Bible, don't tell them, well, just do what the Lord tells you to do. You should know. That's why they came to you. And if you don't know, just admit it. You know, I don't know, but let me go find out. And then help these people. This idea, you know, we, we've created this hyper-individualism in American Christianity in particular. It's just me and Jesus we got our own thing going, you know, you know, I don't need anybody else. I ain't got Jesus. Talk to guys, I don't need to come to church. I can be out in the woods praising the Lord. Well, number one, you're probably not out in the woods praising the Lord. <laughs> and while you can certainly pray, and I would encourage you to do so, that's not the same as going to church. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But there's this idea of this hyper-individualism, which comes from our American culture. Right? Nobody can tell us what to do, right? Don't you tell me what to do. And we love voting out the politicians every two years because they tick us off and they don't listen to what we're saying. And, you know, everybody, you're but, get mad at your boss. You can't tell me what to do. Super, you can't tell me what to do. Ah, everybody's just mad at everybody. How dare you tell me what to do? And we kind of go into faith this way. There, that's why there's so many churches. I forgot what the number was. It's 20,000 different denominations. That might be low. I'll, I'll, I'll double check on it. It's a massive number. Do you know why there are 20,000? For the first 1,500 years of Christianity, there was one denomination. <laughs> and then the Reformation came, and they broke off the Protestants and the Catholics. And then now today we got 20,000 plus different not churches, denominations, whole organizations. Uh, why? Nobody can tell me what to do. I don't like what you're saying. I just go start my own group. So it is splintered like crazy. And in this country, in particular, everybody wants to just be on their own and expecting God to talk to them directly as to what they should do. Uh, but again, when you read in the scriptures those kind of events, it's the exception, not the rule. The fact that you're reading it is because it's the exception, 
the reason it's recorded is this doesn't happen to everybody. Most people don't have angels appearing to them going, oh, and telling them what to do. Most people are not knocked on their butts, telling them that they need to go to church. Most people don't have these visions where something dramatic happens to them. Most people respond in faith to the call of God that is already there. Again, this is what happens in Isaiah's case. God asks the question, who can I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah's there. And we don't know how long, you know, we read these things like he immediately said, here I am. I, I bet you that wasn't it. First of all, he's scared to death. This angel comes up. He thinks he's going to die. Put something hot on his lips. <laughs> says he's okay. He's not dead. And God says, who's going to go? And, and I think he goes, <laughs> I wonder how long the silence was here. And then finally he goes, I'll go. He's responding to the call that was already put out. Most calls in the Christian faith are very general. The call to salvation. If you're waiting for Jesus to knock you on your butt, uh, you might miss this whole deal. It's not how it works. John 3, 16. Here's the general call. For God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the call. Whoever believes. Uh, there's even, you know, not to get into doctrinal debates, you know. There, there's do, points of doctrine we just don't get into because it's like, uh, it's just not worth wrestling. But there are people who think that uh, everyone who's saved is already predestined to be saved. And it's all predetermined. Uh, I just had a guy at man camp ask me, how do I know if I'm one of the chosen ones? I said, Look, I, I don't know where that whole doctrine comes from. Again, it's this idea that every person has this dramatic personal call from God. Uh, G, the Bible says, whosoever believes. Everybody say, whosoever. whosoever. I mean, it's anybody. In other words, am I one of these pre-chosen ones? No, that's not how it works. It's, this is open to everybody and anybody. In John 6, 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm talking about spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. This is open to whoever. It's open. So when we respond to the gospel, and our, our job is to preach the gospel. Why? Because God's call is open. People hear the message and respond. Most of you who have come to faith in Christ did it because you heard the message either from a preacher, from somebody, something like that. It wasn't just one individual angel showing up and talking to you. You were responding to the call. That's why we were commanded to give this call and let everyone hear the call that whoever wants to can respond. Mark uh, 16, 15. This is after Jesus uh, had been raised from the dead and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he tells his disciples, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. This is the call. Take this and go everywhere. This is our call as Christians. What's, what's, what's one of the things I should be doing? Is sharing the gospel with people or making it possible for people to hear the gospel. Uh, when we give money to the church or to missions or whatever, this makes it possible for the gospel to be preached, for people to hear. Uh, we are commanded to do this. 
We don't need a revelation or an angel or something else to tell us this. In fact, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to look for the call, for God's call around us. You know, it's not so much about you uh, as it is about God's call. And then we respond to it. <laughs> it's, we're not nearly as important as we think we are. So, well, can God give an individual call and call us to do something? Of course he can. But it's not a mystery. If God wants you to do something, why would he be quiet? It makes no sense. This thing you just pray and seek the Lord and hope that it tells you what's going on is not what is in the scripture. It happens to some. And I promise you, if God wants you to go to Zimbabwe, he's going to knock you upside the head and say, go to Zimbabwe. He's going to make it really, really clear. There's not going to be this big mystery. How many of you have kids? When you want them to do something, do you tell them or do you hope they'll seek your face? Oh, Father, I know you want me to do something. Please let me know. And you as a parent goes, keep asking. It makes no sense. You know, we, we see these kinds of things, particularly in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is not a really clear picture of God. We don't see this in the New Testament. Nowhere does it tell us to do those sorts of things. Yet that is preached commonly throughout Christianity today. That's what you're supposed to do. And I say nay unto thee. I say nay. Why would God keep it quiet? We're supposed to look for God's call. Let's read in Matthew 25, verse, starting at verse 35. Jesus said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. This is on judgment day. He's telling people. Uh, I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and, or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, Whatever you did for one of these least brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. You say, basically, the call of God is wherever we see a need, wherever there's opportunity, eyes open, be aware. You want to find God's will for your life? You want God to use you and uh, be involved in his kingdom? Eyes open. Pay attention. What's going on around you? Who has a need? You run into a need and you're able to meet it? That's God's call on your life. Just do it. You, need, you don't need a from heaven to instruct you on these things. In fact, he continues in his parable here and says the converse. He says there's people that aren't going to get into heaven. And he's going to say, well, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And they're all going to go, well, when did we see that? It's when you ignored it around you. I mean, this is the stuff we need to be paying attention to. So basically, people say, what should I be doing with my life, Pastor? How do, how do I know what God wants me to do? The answer is wherever you see a need or just whatever. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 1. 
Whatever your hand finds to do, everybody say whatever. whatever. Do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, <laughs> that's a little creepy, there is neither working nor planting nor knowledge nor wisdom. Do what you can now. Whatever you find, whatever your hand finds to do. There's no mystery here. What can you do? Just whatever. So that's the Old Testament. Well, let's look at the New Testament. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, everybody say whatever. whatever. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. There's nobody telling you stress out and trying to figure this out. Just whatever you do. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, say whatever. Do it all for the glory of God. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever. Say whatever. Whatever good they do, whether slave or free. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, say whatever. <laughs> Whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Titus writes this, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and be ready to do what? Whatever. <laughs> this is being simplified, is it not? What should I be doing? Whatever. Look for opportunities. First Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. Someone said, whatever. <laughs> You're seeing a pattern here. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What should you, what, 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 Pastor, what can I do? I don't know. What can you do? Whatever. What abilities do you have? You know... It drives us all a little crazy, although driving us crazy is a short drive. But uh, we throw out and ask for volunteers all the time. We've got a fairly large congregation. It's amazing how much we struggle to find volunteers. We struggle just to find ushers. Is this not true? Well, Pastor, I don't know what I should do. Whatever. You want an opportunity? Volunteer to be an usher. It's really complicated but we'll try and get you through it. <laughs> hand somebody a tray. Wait for them to hand it back to you. Go to the next row. Hand it to them. Go to the... I mean, I know a lot of people aren't trained enough in this. But it's whatever. But some of us are a little arrogant. We think, well, that's way beneath me. Yeah, that's why you should do it. It's called Humility. Well, I got a PhD in advanced psychology and I'm a this and that, a business owner. I have $50 million in my bank account. I'm not going to send somebody a tray. What should I do? Hand somebody a tray. Look for opportunities. Look, wherever you can see a need. And we ask for these volunteers and stuff. And again, I love y'all. I do. <laughs> but we're not getting this. We should have more people than we know what to do with. Just say, what can I do? It's like the call of the Lord. When he's someone hand out trays. Here am I, send me. I'll do it. Look for opportunities to do something. Don't, look, I'm glad you come to church and listen to me. Otherwise, it'd be really lonely in here. 
But just, that's, just don't come and never do anything. Get involved. There's people who say, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me what to do. Really? Just look for whatever. Where'd I leave off? <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what was the last verse I just read? First Peter. Okay, thank you. Somebody's paying attention. I'm not, but somebody is. And then this one. Finally, brothers. Finally, brothers and sisters. Women are involved too. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is loving, whatever is admirable. For heaven's sakes, just do whatever. They pass on, I'm so glad that God spoke to you to come to Green Bay. He didn't. I'm glad God spoke to you to be a pastor. He didn't. I'm so glad God spoke to you to go help couples around the world. He didn't. Well, how'd you want to do it? It just was whatever. It was opportunity. And I just saw it and just stepped out. My story, you know, I get all these people all the time asking, as I travel around, how, how, how did you wind up doing this. You know, did God give you? No, I was in a meeting. Pastor Arnie was in the meeting. The pastors were all there. And he said, who here wants to work with couples? Because they're driving me insane. <laughs> Which is the call of pastors everywhere in the world. And nobody raised their hand. I went, I guess I'll do it. I'll give it a shot. Now, I was horrible in the beginning. You came to see me, you were doomed. Eighty <laughs> percent of the people I talked to ended up in divorce. <laughs> it was bad. Can you imagine going to a doctor where eighty percent of the people came out dead? And then start just working on it and figuring it out and and away it goes. So don't don't stop waiting for some dramatic voice, something in your life. Look around. Listen, eyes open. You see someone who has a need and you can fill that need, then help them. You see somebody who needs something done and you can do it, volunteer to help them. Look for opportunities. Don't get caught up in the minutia and waiting for God. So what if God wants me to do something? He will let you know. He always lets you know. But again, that's, and even that is still the exception, not the rule. The kingdom of God is driven by people just answering the general call of God. They hear the gospel, they respond. They see needs, they respond. They see opportunities, they respond. They finally get through their heads that this is whatever, and they just do whatever. This is the kingdom of God. This dramatic personal stuff that we read about uh, in the Bible. Remember, the reason you're reading it is because that's not normal. It stands out. Let us be the kind of church that we just all will do whatever. Whether you're underqualified, like me, <laughs> or overqualified, let's just do whatever. Let's look for kindness. Let's look to bless people. All right, we're going to switch to our time of communion this morning and get ready. Our ushers, give our ushers a hand. <laughs> These are highly trained individuals. Don't, don't attempt this at home. All right. I'm going to be a smart aleck. Uh, they're just serving. They're just serving. So get ready to serve a communion.
Now, the Bible says before we do this, uh, we read in Corinthians, whoever eats and drinks of the cup, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and the blood of our Lord. Sounds serious. It is serious. So he says, examine yourselves and then only eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to reflect. And let's, let's do that now. Bow your heads. And I'm going to pray a general prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Keep short accounts with God. Don't let stuff get out of hand. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we've done, or maybe what we've left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us, we pray, and forgive us of all our sins. And as the heads are bowed, and maybe you're new to faith, uh, you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I've never experienced any of this stuff. Uh, you can experience it right now. You can hear the general call. Jesus said, whoever will come can come. Just in your own words, ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith this morning. Amen.